Here's new conspiracy theory. Yes. I'm going to throw this one out there. Hit Shake me. up the internet. The <laughs> author of both of these is just trying to fuck around and is like, hey, this is plagiarism, guys. She's out there just spreading this rumor that she's like, wow, this author really tired. And she was hoping people would disagree with her. And then she was like, this is rude, guys. You know, when you like neg yourself to be like, ah, I'm like, I'm so so, ugly. So ugly. And everyone's like, like, yeah, you are. One TikToker was like, I actually wrote this and I just kind of want to bring attention to it because there's some similarities to a published book. I did not write this. Casey McQuinston. Davious. I'm just saying. Hilarious. Yeah, I just would. That's going to be my conspiracy theory. I'm like, I think she. I don't hate it. I think she went to be like, guys, didn't you think this was a little tired? Have you read Carried in My Heart? Because like it was really popular and I actually haven't saved on PDF because like. She I like wrote do. some. She was like Anon on a Tumblr blog and was like. What's your opinion? Do you think this was a little tired? And then the person was like, hell yeah, it was. And then she was like, no, that's not what she's like, no, that's not what I meant. I was Oh Divine Pairings, I'm Chris. I'm Claire. (laughs) I'm Josie. (laughs) You get to say your name if you're here. I think that's fine. It's fine. We don't have to introduce you as a guest. I'm mad. No, I'm not a guest. I'm I'm, I'm just here. I'm mad (laughs) and I'm I'm ready to not be mad. (laughs) And Grace is gonna not Grace is gonna fix it. I hope so. So I did I'm we're gonna hit it hard. I'm gonna do some investigative journalism and this is gonna be a tight 30. No, it's some research. Sort of. Yeah, okay. So like okay. We're a research podcast. It's not a it's like I did research, but I didn't it's mostly just like I formulated the thoughts and opinions that I'm gonna decide are the truth. So So it's like a manifesto, (laughs) basically. Yeah. Okay. So how do we get here? What are we doing today? We are solving the unconfirmed theory that because I don't know what the like traction theory is like at full you level, really drawn this out man. is red white and royal blue a fan fiction with the serial numbers filed off <laughs> that is the question do you know what is, that means is it, that a phrase yeah is it like is it a ghost okay. gun <laughs> no <laughs> it's a ghost fanfic <laughs> Because that has been one of the versions of the uh, accusation that I have seen on the accusation. I get. I don't know if it's an accusation. It's a theory. Doesn't feel strong enough based on how strongly people feel about. How close is it in terms of like the Cassie Claire TMI of it all? That is the conclusion we will get to. I'm gonna let you guys draw your own opinions based on the pieces I'm gonna tell you about. As per usual, someone tagged us in a TikTok and that took us on a deep dive because <laughs> this is our thing now. <laughs> this is our thing now. They didn't even make a TikTok for us. Someone just said, hey, fine pairings. Also, okay. Watch this. <laughs> quick sidebar. I was thinking about how like, A, a this is funny and B, it's also confusing about how like for a significant portion of season two, you make jokes about making a TikTok and they're like, we're not going to make a TikTok. Because at the time it was only seven year olds dancing and cosplay to weird music. Right. It hadn't, it hadn't, it didn't have its come up no. quite yet. Um, and then number one, you make jokes about not getting a TikTok. <laughs> number two, you get a TikTok. So what you're saying is we should get a LinkedIn. <laughs> no, <laughs> because we also make jokes about you can find us on LinkedIn. Yes. Also OnlyFans, but no. I mean, I, I feel think, like I think that if one... anyone's actually put us on LinkedIn, it's Josie because she's the only one working. It's true. For this, this is. I, don't I think mean, we count. 
Like, yes and also no. You two also work, but like... In a lower capacity. I In a different capacity. Equal, but different. I find it fun to fuck around in After Effects, and you two do not. So... I run, I run all over accounting, so that's... I was oh, going to say, that's you do true, do that. true. Yeah. You do I'm finances. just here for the creative energy. Okay, so anyway... But wait, 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 wait. Number three. <laughs> oh, okay. Number There's three <laughs> is we are successful enough on TikTok where we get listeners now who yeah, are that's listening. True. Those freaks who listen from the very first episode all the way through up till this. In this. like a couple of months' time, usually. Yes. <laughs> um, Wonderful people. How you guys... I like... Bless your heart for listening to that shit audio for like so many seasons (laughs) i think it's nice because like if you can get through the first two then you're rewarded and then you just keep getting rewarded with better and it only gets better yes it only gets better but then number four is (laughs) people are now tagging us in things on tiktok and now we make episodes about about those tiktoks tiny tiny things but this one was a special i feel like we could take some stuff that is like we could dive into because all of it is interesting and obviously it's relevant to us because someone noticed that we've talked about it or like would be interested in it. Yeah, sometimes it's just jean furniture. I have a f- <laughs> yes, which is its own thing. which I love. Please don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny every time. Okay, anyway. <laughs> So this, uh, it really felt similar to some of those Cassie Claire TikToks okay. where it was like, I'm trying to write my thesis and then in walks in uh, the fan fiction that inspired Red, White, and White Blue. I had zero awareness of this at all. I just knew based on having read red white and royal blue it had a lot of tropes it was uh it had a specific like pace and style that was reminiscent of fan fiction i mean there's definitely something so i did i've also read this i will i i also have reread it this week because oh, thank god because i didn't want to <laughs> I figured you might I got through I got through like the bulk of it like I got to like I think like the 70% mark excellent so Josie's really gonna be my reporter on the field in like multiple ways and Claire's gonna be the the layman that is like I don't know any of this so I'm confused so we have all you're really good at that we have Claire who is the I know nothing listener in we have me who has read everything one time a year ago and we have Josie who read it this week for research for research So that's how we got here. So we are basically, uh, I went, I found an archive of the original fic that people are accusing or suggesting or implying or assuming turned into red, white, and oil blue in some capacity. Let's get into our drink. So this is a take on what's called a bramble. (gasps) I looked up, I was going to say, I thought you might know what a bramble is, but don't drink it yet because you will be confused. Okay. So... (laughs) I looked up uh, British cocktails, which we haven't specifically done. So I was like, okay, maybe there'll be something here because uh, there's a British character in both. Both of them have a British uh, and an American as the pairing. And then, as usual, the bramble is with gin. But because our other character is of Mexican descent, ah. I swapped the gin with tequila. Yes! <laughs> which I thought would be fine, and I tested it, and it is fine. Um, so this is a bramble. It is, for this one, tequila, blackberry liqueur, simple syrup, and lemon. Lemon. <laughs> and lemon. Cheers. Far away clink. Mm-mm. Oh, that's good. He's oh, a little lovely. But, you know. Yeah, jammy. Yeah, a little jammy. Yeah, that's With good. the blackberry and the sugar. Yep. Yeah. There's a nice a nice tartness. Well, and I thought the, like, tequila, the like, kind of, like, citrusy sourness would go with this, like, blackberry yeah. thing. And it does make it taste less British. <laughs> I like don't really taste any gin. 
There is no gin. There's only tequila. Oh, it's only tequila? It's only tequila. Oh, I thought you I mixed gin oh, and tequila. Oh, God, no. I'm not an insane And person. I was like, wow, that's interesting. I should have made you take a shot of gin and then drink this. Hey, I would have done it. I know. Without complaining. <laughs> oh, my God. Only a monster would make us drink two drinks. A shot of gin would be truly a, that's a rude thing to do, specifically I, to Claire, but also just in general. Honestly, yeah. I, I feel like all of my shots have been quite nice. They, they, are, they have always they have hmm. always been nice shots. The tequila mixed with the blackberry is like it's very good. Feels fancy. Yeah, no, it's not. So anyway, I'm gonna say the plot basics. I'm gonna get into the author slash authors question mark, and then we're gonna deep dive and actually read some snippets from Carry It in My Heart. And then I'm gonna get into a little compare contrast time, which is getting into a uh, more subjective territory. And then I will have my thesis. This is incredibly <laughs> Thank academic. You. Thank you for coming to my PhD. Uh, what do they do when they like present it to the dissertation? Their defense. Their defense. Yeah, your defense. Thank you. Their defense of their Welcome dissertation. Welcome to the defense of my fan fiction theories. All right. Dr. Grace? Uh, she's not doctor that's yet. That's a 10-year goal, my friend. Okay. No, she's not a doctor yet either. At the end of her... Oh, yeah. You guys have to then tell at the me. Oh, that's true. Yeah. We at the decide, end of her defense, we decide if she's okay. a doctor. We will have a deliberation. Yes. PhD in yes. fan I talked fiction. To, I did talk to someone who is like part of those boards. Gives out the PhDs. And he, yeah. And he was like, he's like, my favorite part is like when like they give their dissertation and then they're like out and then they like decide and then like you come out and you just are like doctor to like shake their hand and be like are you serious yeah the drama the camp i know (laughs) and so you're just like what that sounds so exciting so if they're gonna say no do they just say like mister mister yeah (laughs) yeah say your first name yeah they'll be like you can come back in now (laughs) (laughs) oh my god hi drama okay so we're starting with, I'm going to say just Royal Blue to save my mouth. Royal Blue was a novel released in 2019 by one uh, Casey McQuinston. It's about two boys. One is the Prince of England and one is the first son, Prince Harry and Alex Claremont Diaz, respectively. Respectfully, I need to interrupt. Throughout the bulk of the episode, Grace does say Prince Harry, even though I swear she knows it's Prince Henry. Not Prince Harry. Real life Prince of England is Prince Harry. Red, white, and royal blue prince is Prince Henry. Full name, Henry George Edward James, Foxmount Christian Windsor. I don't know why I never corrected her, but we know. I swear to God, we have read this book. We know these characters. So ignore Harry. It's Prince Henry. Back to the episode. So at the beginning, they like kind of hate each other, question mark, for reasons. <laughs> and then they get into a scuffle and the media sees and then they're like, it was not a scuffle. We are just bros being bros. And so they have to pretend <laughs> to be bros for the cameras. And amongst that confusion, uh, they fall in love. Kiss, kiss, of. fall in love. Yeah. But they have to be secret in love because Alex... Uh, the American boy just uh, has realized his bisexuality. And then Prince Harry, uh, for obvious reasons, has to be like not gay because he's a royal. So that's the plot for the most part. Major parts of the story are that it has an enemies to lovers pretty clear arc. <laughs> and it's based in semi real world events surrounding the 2016 election of Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, where Alex's mom is kind of a proxy for Hillary Clinton, who has won the presidency in this version of the story. Mm -hmm. And they are up for re-election. So that's that. 
carry it in my heart. It was written and published on LiveJournal in 2011 and then was deleted in 2012. Yes. Mm. Okay, so it wasn't up it was not up long. long. And also it was up on the Dude, live Dude, this journal. fic author has got to be so irritated. Which as far <laughs> as I know, uh, is already a pretty small medium. Yes. Like, when things get out of their live journal community, that feels like a big deal. Which, again, I was not a live journal kid. No. No. 2011, I don't know what I was doing. I think I was on Tumblr. I was on you Tumblr. You were hanging out with me. Yes. I was hanging out with both of you. <laughs> I was on Tumblr a so, lot. And Claire was on Tumblr a lot, which is very different. I was channel. on YouTube. <laughs> same i was also on youtube <laughs> anyway making um, co- oh that's right you used to like argue with people oh hell yeah i, my, I never made did youtube that. videos in 2011 oh my god someone told me my head was shaped like a potato in a youtube comment and it kind of just me <laughs> <laughs> because they were really correct <laughs> especially in that one video in which the comment was how under- dare you see like, me wow, for what i am my head really does look like a potato <laughs> It doesn't look like a potato now, and I can't speak. I think speak. it does, but I know how to do my hair to make it, like, to, like, Less hide potato potato-ness. I mean, honestly, I feel like most heads look like potatoes. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. They're oblong, ovalish type They're yeah. weird, things. lumpy blobs. I think yeah. a lot of people's not aesthetically heads. pleasing. Yeah. I think a Wow. That's so interesting to say as a human, but also I think I a lot of people... I am any more than anybody else. Asexual We're all potatoes. Yeah, that was, yeah. Anyway. I was say the ace anyway. just uh, came off. I was going to say everyone's head looks like eggs to me, but that's no, for the people way, who don't look like a like egg. a dog. I was going to gonna me, say but. cherubic little faces. Little anyway, egg. okay. So this was written for potato the head. social network Dr. RPF head. fandom. Oh, you just deep cut. I'm just kidding. Emotional <laughs> deep cut. Dr. <laughs> <Dr>. Potato. <laughs> Sorry. Mrs. Potato Head just Go gets on. her PhD and divorces Mr. Potato Head. Anyway, apparently this was big enough that the social network RPF had its own fandom. I get uh this the one thing I did not do was watch the social network. Really? Why not? One, I wanted you I wanted okay. So my thinking was one, I could not care less about Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> Fair, fair. Understand. And second, this got big question mark because a lot of people downloaded and archived the fic and then spread it around after it was deleted off of LifeJournal. So I wanted the perspective of someone who came across this fic but was not in the fandom. So okay. like, like my friend from LiveJournal sent me this and was like, this is so good. You'll love it. <laughs> You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my perspective. I will be asking you questions about the social network. Oh, fuck. I'm very confused. Okay. And that made it funnier because I was like, wow, I really don't know what's going on. I've seen the social network. Okay. So I was gonna I'll say. know a little. Yeah. Yeah. Claire can also help. So, okay. Uh, it ships uh, Andrew Garfield and Jesse Eisenberg. And it was given a claim in comments like, truly made me realize how talented the fandom writers are. The prose is exquisite. And I have not loved a fan fiction this much in years. And I have to say, even if you're not a fan of RPF or the social network, read this, read it because you will not be disappointed. And I think that was also the quote that I was like, <laughs> prove me wrong. Because <laughs> I, I will be feeling, the judge of that. I have a feeling I will not like this. We are the panel. We will judge. And so the fans noted some specific things used, which was uh, the use of multimedia is really fun. And I don't know how widespread this like thing was but basically there's like real pictures of real stuff so it'll be like a polaroid of an elbow and it'll be like taken by jesse of andrew's elbow after blah da da or like a handwritten playlist that'll be like given to jesse after blah da da or like a post-it note or socks or like something that are like 
tangible items that someone had to stage and take a picture of for the purpose of adding it to the art overall uh, art. Wow. Immersive. Deck. I know. It was immersive. immersive. It was very like a lot of stuff went into this. <laughs> that seems like a specific choice. If I were to tag it on AO3, I would emphasize the mutual pining. <laughs> Gay idiots and slow burn, truly the slowest burns. <laughs> It takes place over the course of filming The Social Network, uh, where Jesse is an anxious, anxious little man. (laughs) And he has to share an apartment with Andrew, who is a goofy, quippy, manic pixie dream boy that he falls in love with, but is distraught over his feelings. Okay, makes sense. That's that's the plot of Cats. I believe it. So, okay. So now that we have, like, the basics, here's where... Some of the speculation starts. So this is what we know about the authors. Uh, Casey McQuinston is the author of Royal Blue. Uh, their bio page is like honestly kind of sparse on their website. They write queer love multi-genre stories uh, and they themselves are queer and non-binary. They're from Louisiana, which I didn't know. 31 years old. When it came to the inspiration for Red, White, and Royal Blue, this is what they said. I came up with the idea for the book while obsessively following the presidential election in early 2016. But that's only part of it. That spring, I was also watching a new season of Veep and alternating between reading a dense Hillary Clinton biography by Carl Bernstein and The Royal We by Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan. I knew I wanted to do a first family story or a royal family story. And then I realized if I had a member of the first family fall in love with a member of the royal family, I didn't have to pick just one. (laughs) Yeah. So they are saying the idea for this fic came in 2016. Okay. Five years after. Right carried in my this heart. This alleged was fic. Uh, yes, was on the internet. As soon as Royal Blue was starting to get some reviews, people noted that there were similarities to this, this fic. The pacing, How? the How tropes, big? dialogue, and the setup, people were saying okay. were all reminiscent of fic-style writing. Okay. Not okay, necessarily but not this one. Like this fic. And many posts and Tumblr sites uh, started spreading posts that were like, So funny that my friends are just finding out Red, White, Royal, Blue started as a social network fic, but no one would be like, here's the evidence. People would just start saying it and then make a tweet or a Tumblr post that was like, LOL, just found out this crazy thing. Like it was like a heard through the grapevine rumor and people just kind of like decided it was true. That is reminiscent of TMI. I I feel like there's maybe a little bit more. Right. Well, because I was curious, like I couldn't remember back. Was there things that Cassie Clare had said or was there like some like what was the proof of this thing? I never found in my like research, I didn't uh, find a lot of like like evidence like this, honestly, is what I was looking for is people like comparing this. Right. Like these two things and being like his there here is how they're so similar. But there Cassie was, Claire did like say she wrote fic, right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, but she was also like very she was very famous and yeah. like it was very obvious. And so people were like these characters are similar. Mm-hmm. And like some of the character archetypes are similar. Mm-hmm. But I didn't quite see like that Draco Mm-hmm. Her Draco right. was, was Jace. Jace. I yeah. just kind of didn't. There wasn't a lot of muster there. Because I, I was really curious what, like, if, like, the, in interviews, like, what was literally said out of Cassie Clare's mouth. She to, never said that. Okay. Yeah. I was, that's what I was curious about. So <laughs> these posts are, like, going around. And eventually it was, like, wildly believed on fandom places that carried in my heart by Robin Pulaski, which was the username. <laughs> Kind of hilarious. Roman Polanski? Robin Pulaski, but yes, kind of. Uh, And that this fic carried in my heart was the fic that, quote unquote, had the serial numbers filed off to become red, white, royal, blue. 
So outside of having no specific evidence, fans cited that there were similarities in style between the fan fiction and the book, along with some fans claiming that previous pictures from Robin's uh, Tumblr and LiveJournal, the pictures look like Casey's headshots, which I'm like, that's a lot of me having to just trust you. But like, sure, maybe. Like, what do they mean? They mean like the person that I remember seeing in that picture looked like looks like this uh, author photo. Okay. So like, okay, so it's the same person. There, people are saying that, but no one had like the pictures to be like, this is the picture from Robin Pulaski's Tumblr because no one archived that because that's a weird thing to do. Right. But that is a claim. It's completely impossible to like. Right, right. There, it's not there anymore. Yeah, because <laughs> it's not there anymore. Yeah, because people people definitely archived this fic. Not a lot of other stuff about the live journal was archived. Like I couldn't find a lot of the other fan fictions, the like just like updates or whatever. I don't really understand how it works. Okay. Um, so now it is just simply kind of a fact online on sites like Fanlore, on uh, TikTok, on Tumblr that Casey themselves has never once confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where we're starting. Okay. The overall uh, carry to my heart fake is like, I don't know, like 120 pages, but that includes like multimedia stuff and like. Oh, wow. Oh, so short. <laughs> wow. Sorry. We're, wait, when you say 120 pages, uh, a, do you mean PDF, Word document PDF pages. pages? How many words is it, Grace? I don't know. It's on a PDF. Oh. <laughs> I have no idea how many words it is. Now we can't argue about it. No. But it comes in six parts, and the six parts were. Um, Uploaded all at different times. I'm going to synopsize the six parts and then I have like one uh, chunk (laughs) to read from each part. Nice. All right. So part one, Jesse is researching Andrew because they've been like paired together before the film starts. Like, I don't know what that means. So I wrote a lot of question marks. I think it means that they're screen testing together. Run lines. Oh, or, oh but they're okay. not cast yet, which was the sticking point mm. because that's not a thing. Once they are cast, they move in together into like an apartment on set uh, to live together, which I think they decide to do or maybe not really. Okay. I, I don't remember what the point was, but it was like, it was very much a, they're roommates. <laughs> they oh. gotta be in the same room all the time. Roommates. Ooh. The okay. author has put them together through circumstance. That is not like, I mean, no, yes and nothing, not really it's like. nothing like Red Rider. No, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mostly we follow them on their kind of like mundane adventures, learning about like each other. So Andrew talks about his taste in music. They go shopping. Andrew's very like casually touchy as a human. Jesse is awkward. Uh, and Andrew kind of just like pulls him along to do things. Uh, they start filming and the intensity of the scenes conflicts with their like friendy romancy offset vibes. But like, OK, it is very uh, what I that's what I wrote down. It is so fanfic dramatic TM. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what that means. Yep. <laughs> Yes. So like one one of the things that was my like immediate note was like, yes, Red, White and Royal Blue has a lot of tropey fan fictiony language. Yes. But this is like a very, very fan fictiony fan fiction. <laughs> so it makes it seem yes. like Royal Blue is a book. Right. You know? Right. So, so I believe this is the opening couple of paragraphs, like page one, page two. Andrew in the flesh. Well, basically. He's all of those things, plus affectionate and doting and slightly insane and even a little genuinely wonderful. So it's not even that surprising when he slings an arm over Jesse's shoulder at the bar when they go out for drinks after the first day of filming, or when he buries his nose in Jesse's hair and slurs over the music, reckon tomorrow I'll do you just fine, love. 
It doesn't seem like a big deal when he starts bringing an extra cup of coffee marked Jess to Jesse's trailer at random times of the day because he says he wants to run lines. But apparently, all he really wants is to draw all over his copy of the script and laugh all crinkly when Jesse complains about the douchebag sandals he has to wear every day. Andrew's just that kind of person, and those are the kinds of things you expect from him. But that's the thing about Andrew. He has this way about him that convinces you he's made entirely out of sunshine and daisies and big Bambi eyes, and not even a speck of anything dirty, and then he'll leave you reeling. It's just the set of his jaw sometimes, or the way he leaves marks with his fingernails, or the harsh hiss through his teeth when he leans in before a take and says, you're fucking disgusting, in Jesse's or Mark's ear. You think you've got him figured out, but there's something about him that is dangerously unpredictable. Jesse thinks... As one of Andrew's slim thighs shoves his roughly apart. What? As a set of what? crooked teeth introduces itself to the side of his jaw hard. What? That what? maybe he could have seen this coming. He groans, digs his fingers in, and Andrew smiles like the sun when he bites back. I have... But that's getting ahead of the story. I... What? We start at the end. <laughs> and then we rewind. <laughs> Wow. It opens with that. That's what it opens with. And then it jumps back to, uh, I'm Jesse Eisenberg. I wonder if Andrew <laughs> Garfield will like me. Oh, I have anxiety. I'm in a luncheon. You know? And it's really, really frustrating. <laughs> because I read that and I was like, okay. Oh. There are so many details. Yeah. Wow. Good no. bit. Yeah, that's. He got, yeah, I, I really just so remember we know the biting. that they will get Bite. together. Right. But through right. the fucking 80 pages where they <laughs> don't, they you forget. <laughs> like okay. I, that is immediately like manic pixie language. Yes. Right, like yes. right away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like the Bambi eyes and the like. He's the insane. He's insane. And he does these little things like bring me coffee and draw on my script. And which then we get a picture job. of later. Yeah. But it's so surprising. It bites my job. I mean, it is surprising when someone just bites you. And someone just shoves their thigh through your legs. All oh, right. Damn. So here, it, here is actually from part one. <laughs> okay. So that's the beginning. Yes. This is page like 16. So this is like the actual feel of, of part one. And that's something else. The whole physical affection thing. Because Andrew is a huge fan of it. Like, right now, they're sitting in a side-by-side makeup chairs, and Andrew's just idly thumbing the knob of Jesse's wrist as he tries to explain to his own hairdresser just mm, what exactly that, is that so was goddamn pretty, hilarious. That was pretty erotic. <laughs> I was gonna say... <laughs> they haven't, like... He's they're not. They're barely friends yet. And he's just kind of, like... his knob. Thumbing his knob. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird vibe the whole If he time. were British, that would mean something else. No, Jesse is American, famously. I, no, I know, but I'm just saying it's that if it's his knob. Thumbing yes. his knob. No, Andrew is is thumbing Jesse's knob, yeah. not the other way around. And yeah, so for Andrew, thumbing and a knob means something else. Jesse will later be thumbing else. Andrew's knob, and it will mean something else. Okay. That's really weird. Language is complex. It is. It is. Barely being friends, and you, look, we've been they friends for a long ass time. I've never thumbed I your wrist. I will never thumb your knob, Grace. Now I feel uh, like, yeah. Do you want to do it? Feels. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, you thumb- it doesn't, no, it feels wrong as I'm thinking about it. <laughs> no, it is weird. And I'm just going to say that that like, general idea never stops existing. No. I've never thought about the knob of my wrist. <laughs> yeah. That's so bones. I have, but I only because like I've it. had I don't think I like weird protrusions that. at point. Are you I, I think that's how humans work. Knobbier but. than no, I, no I mean, Your head is a potato and your wrist is knobs. <laughs> no, at one point I had like a cyst in my wrist, so it was even knobbier. Oh, I have oh. cysts on the underside of my wrist. I don't nice. really know what they are. I don't either. That's why I stopped wearing my Fitbit. Conspiracy theory. <laughs> it gave you 
Naps. Yeah, that was my conspiracy theory, and it's been semi-proven because I stopped wearing it and it's gone away. Rubbing against it, and they got no. It was probably just that, like, no, no. I think it was that I couldn't rotate my wrist as much. Hold on, hold on. Is this the knob? No, isn't this the knob? Wait, where's that? The on top bone. I don't think I have one of those. The fuck? (laughs) Do I not have a knob? Is my like radius (laughs) off? (laughs) Is this? No, the knob, the like bone. What do you mean? Like, okay, imagine your, imagine your arm bone. So you know how bones go like bumpy at the top? It's yeah, the top yeah. bump of your bone. Is yours a weird spot? I yeah. mean, this is my other pinky side. Opposite. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're f- we figured it out. Okay. Phew, I do have a knob. a knob. Thank God we have this visual <laughs> medium. <laughs> Everyone find your knob in your Everyone own time. Touch find your, your knob. knob and then come back Get with how weird it is for someone to touch it. Thumb it a little. So, okay. Uh... <laughs> It's always little things like that. A hand on the sway of his back when they're walking to set together. A nose behind his ear when Andrew thinks Jesse's nailed a scene. A hug after a particularly intense take. Sometimes Andrew My likes to grab one of his coworkers and I were curls. talking about today how weird it is to touch your coworkers. <laughs> it is weird. Like, because actors it- are weird people. I will say, I do think, okay, like, that- actors are more because it's more intimate. But also, like, yes, you're yeah. right. You're and right. I would say engineers are on the less touchy side <laughs> of the spectrum. I would agree. So, I would, so like any touch scene. Also, like odd. I feel like there's a weird thing, especially with actors, but like in general, where like because you're meeting a lot of new people, you kind of like set the the stakes of things right away. So if you like meet someone for the first time and give them a hug and like have a lot of physical contact, sure. then it's less weird to just continue doing that. Right. Whereas sure. if like me and Josie started doing that, then it would be weird because we've been friends for like ten years. So like, yeah, it would be notable. I also think with with actors in particular, it's this uh, idea that like we're gonna go do this intimate, we're gonna go on this journey together. Right. And so there's oh, you're like, gonna really like this excerpt I have coming up. I'm really excited for your thoughts on the actor. Yeah, the actor. Yeah, things. from an outside perspective, I want to know what Claire thinks of the things. So let Claire talk first, and then we can her discuss the of, actual. We're a bunch of fucking freaks, All man. Right. That's I'm, true. I'm ready to continue to know nothing. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes Andrew likes to grab one of his curls uh, between two fingers and then make cartoon sound effects when he lets it spring back in place. These are the weirdest weirdos that have ever weirded. This is this is actors. Also, Andrew Garfield is pretty weird. He's That's like, fair. He's kind of doing stuff. That's uh, <laughs> fair, true. but what? Okay, going boing. boing. Yeah, I can see that. I can, I can see, see it, but again, as a no touchy. Especially yeah. as a yeah. no touchy career, like if that happened to me, straight HR. Also, I feel like straight hair, HR. like touching someone's hair, is yeah. like a very intimate thing. Yeah. Like you have to have, you can't like just casually touch can't someone's hair. That. No, it's weird. As soon as they get released from hair and makeup, Andrew's hooking an arm around his neck and leading them to the conference room. Jesse can't decide if Andrew honestly isn't aware of the things he does, or if he just doesn't care, or if he feels like he needs to be anchored to Jesse all the time. But more importantly, Jesse can't figure out why he's so okay with it. The minute the cameras start rolling, though, Andrew cocks one shoulder back and Eduardo's voice starts coming out of his mouth, and the tone of the morning crumbles. Jesse thinks the reason they've been holding on so hard to their good mood is probably because they both know how brutal the scenes lined up for today are going to be. This part is all about control and small reactions that say huge things, and that's not something easy to pull off. Jesse lets himself sink into Mark completely until every small twitch of his fingers feels right. And he doesn't even have to think about how the muscles in his face should be moving. I already have a problem with this. <laughs> <laughs> we, we obviously haven't been in Jesse's brain, uh, as I have, but he thinks about everything all the time. So the concept of him, like, <laughs> sinking himself into a character and then just being like, I don't even have to think about this. It's just happening. It feels 
incorrect. That's the way they. Me. That's the way that they put it. That's the way they put it. Okay, because because normally mm-hmm. for anxious people, mm-hmm. and this is acting across the board, mm-hmm. is the reason why acting is so freeing and why they like it is because they can clearly delineate that it's not them. Right. So it's like this there's is a very weird much the opposite your, of that. Right. And that's why that would be a better way of describing it, I think, is like there's a weird switch in your mind where you're like, that's not me. Right. Um, it's hard looking across the table at this person who already means so much to him and feeling all these other things, the regret and shame under the hard edge of pride, the cold space between them. It's too hard to reconcile them. So he doesn't try to. He has never known how to compartmentalize. He's never even really understood what that word means. It means to put in a compartment. Well, like in a literal way. (laughs) Which also, especially like Josie was saying, I'm like, I feel like that's kind of the point is that you do that if you're an actor. Because otherwise you'd live an insane life like Jared Leto does. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, does he compartmentalize poorly? Yes. Yeah. I I would Uh. say... I'm not going to act like they are good at it in their personal life, but like Accurate. you have, you absolutely, I would say a lot of actors are pretty good at compartmentalizing. It's kind of, it's like kind of the job. Yeah. Like, so like obviously things can like, it, I'm not going to act like it's easy because I do think like they're probably better at compartmentalizing, but they also need to do it more than the average person. Right. So like, you know, practice makes better. Right. Every time they talk about acting in this fic, I have problems. <laughs> so just like a heads up that Great. that's going to be me. Anyway, despite the fact that he's talking about how close they've become, it is purely an only friends and anxiety vibe. It is not. They've not done nothing romantic. They have not kissed at all. None of the touches are flirting. <sighs> to the reader, it is. But to Jesse, whose perspective we are kind of in, whose shoulder we are over, uncertain. So then they break for lunch. Anyway, next thing that happens. <laughs> After 45 minutes, he gets called back to set for the hardest scene of the day. It's the line Andrew was worried about at the beginning of the day. And somewhere in the back of his mind, Jesse knows that this moment is going to be crucial to the movie. But he can't think about that right now. Andrew's delivery, of course, is flawless on every take. But the last time he does it, he turns his chair around to face the window before he says, crushing, I was your only friend. Jesse's not ready for that one. And neither is Mark. It fucking hurts. (laughs) I just, like, don't believe this. That's just, like, not... Every time. (laughs) Wait, who's Mark? Zuckerberg. But Jesse... So he's saying Jesse was not ready to hear Andrew say those words to Jesse. He's also saying Mark was not ready to hear those words from Eduardo. And it hurts. Okay, so Jesse is a bad actor in this face. Okay, so part two. Uh, This is the synopsis, and then we're going to jump into uh, a a Jesse-Andrew offset scene to to recenter ourselves. Okay. Jesse and Andrew keep living together and doing flirty things with sassy dialogue. (laughs) Okay, that sounds very, it's very red, white, and royal blue. Yes. They quip about very 2010, 2011 things. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Wait, like what? Like what? Okay, I have a list. Oh somewhere. come on, yes, give me, give me okay. this fucking like college this nostalgia. Was, this was gonna be a point for later, but it's it's relevant now. No, I want to do, I want to do it now. That the um, so one of the one of the connecting dots was how um, both stories wove in really specific like timeline stuff, which like Red, White, and Royal Blue. does but also doesn't because it's like a different timeline question mark i don't know i mean it follows a so it does follow it's like a rough year and and it's it's like that because it follows a campaign so it's like it's the president's re-election campaign so like 
insofar as there's an election in November. Yeah. Like that. But there's not a lot. Like, it's not specifically like, and then on this day in this year, this thing happened, and that really fucked with Alex's life. Not really. Yeah. So, like, it encapsulates, like, the outer world outside of the characters. Yes. And the thing about this fan fiction that I think people maybe oversee or, like, don't notice because now it is 2022 is that this was written in 2011, and so it references a lot of things that were happening in 2011. Like, it doesn't feel like a specific choice. It feels like someone being like, here's stuff that's going on. Yeah. It wasn't, like, researched as a period piece to be, like, (laughs) super 2011-y. But it is. It is very 2011-y. So some of the stuff they talk about um, is the uh, companions on Doctor Who. So they'll fight about, like, who's the worst and the best companion, Rose, Martha, or Donna, because that was what was going on. Donna's the best, followed by Rose, followed by Martha. They would disagree. They hate Rose, and I don't know why. I love Rose. They're wrong. I agree. Um, (laughs) Just, like, uh, like Polaroid pictures were a really big thing. Oh, yes! uh, Especially with, like, Tumblr aesthetic. Worn paperback classics. Oh, my God. Uh, Aesthetic Um, blog, 2011. Reference to actual movies that they that the two had like been in they talk about like Mumford and Sons and Vampire Weekend yes! and like, <laughs> yes! like all these bands that were like super going on uh, at one point they reference um, a Netflix envelope <laughs> which like and they have a picture of it and I was yes! like this is good this yep. is good vibes yep, 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 yep. Um, so it's like any band that was like big that year they talk about yeah uh, eventually okay so then the actors go to a bar and they play never have i ever um wow very very college well uh and then jesse is quietly having a sexuality crisis because like <laughs> because like andrew is like touching his thigh with his thigh or something that's like not normal guys i mean fair like same but also no i don't just touch thighs of people <laughs> Well, like in a crowded bar, sure. Like, are in a, they in a crowded bar? Well, they're in like a they're in like a booth or something. Like, they is I it just know. the two of them? No, no, no. It's him and like Justin Timberlake and the other actor. Oh, okay, okay. No, they're all I hanging thought, out. They're okay, all, okay. They're all broing it up. I thought they were at a booth in a bar and it was normal. No, 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 no. no. It's like a it's like a cast and they're like outing. across from each other and yeah. he's like rubbed. You know what I mean? Like, no, I think it's thigh. just like casually like his skin is touching his skin. Like they're squished together. Normal in a booth. things. Yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> not I made like, it. Not like he's thumbing his knob. I like he's just touching him with his skin. I made it more weird in my you mind. Did. It's okay. It's fine. It would make more sense. Never mind. Anyway, keep going. Andrew kind of comes out as pansexual, but like it's not a big deal. And also apparently Justin Timberlake is queer in this universe. So everyone's gay except for like one of the actors. Jesse is question mark. I think he's out as ace. Oh. But again, it comes up later. Does and it I not don't... say? I didn't think to look back because I couldn't. It, okay. it wasn't big enough of a plot point right. that I could remember it. All right. So, okay. Andrew leaves for like a second and Jesse kind of reckons his feelings and comes out to himself as gay for Andrew. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. Later he comes out to other people. But right now it's just in his own brain. Proudy sweetie. Yeah. The narrator like reads his thoughts and like tells them to us. He's like. Because again, it's not, <laughs> it's not in first person. Just like a classic show don't tell don't show. So here is a, a little snippet from Jesse and Andrew just like chilling in their apartment. Oh, the romance. Andrew wails dramatically. What? His glasses sliding down his nose. Jesse stops squirming long enough to wrench one of his hands free and then uses it to try to dislodge Andrew from his hair. But Andrew just digs his fingers in inf- infuriatingly. Pray tell, do you have some stockings I could lace to? A bodice I could rip? 
I'm going to set you on fire while you sleep, Jesse promises. Andrew waggles his eyebrows and puts on his poshest accent. I say, I quite enjoy this Bronte theme we've got going. You're not even allowed to act that Only British, one Jesse says. Is- doing anything i don't understand they're like i, know going I can't on. believe this thing that only i am doing like like are you are you um are you like being a pick me girl from 2008 like, oh 100% i'm just being a pick me girl from 2008 like yes that is exactly it but he's a boy so it's fun i don't know it's different it really feels like a pick me girl yes wow i've really be like i can't believe only i have really committed to this bit Uh, yeah he very much is like i'm committing to a bit to be crazy and also because like (laughs) jesse's like countering with like i'm gonna light you on fire (laughs) okay go with god andrew it's real bantery anyway and that's when it happens Andrew laughs, and when he laughs, he throws his head all the way back, and when he throws his head back, he overbalances and tips backwards. His ass lands directly on Jesse's crotch. <laughs> what? <laughs> so they're like, they're like on the couch, and Andrew was like, I don't know, maybe like on his knees or something, and like, I don't know, doing something with Jesse's hair. Like, literally, the context does not matter. But he like laughs by throwing his head back, and like, f- forwards onto his crotch, so now he's straddling Jesse by accident. Oh, he, wait, for, he... I don't know. Sure. I don't know. If sure. he throws his head back. but And then you come back forward. Uh, so he picks his head up oh, and so like kind of falls forward. forward yes, I think. Into the lap. Didn't think the context was necessary because it's not. I think he overacted that one. <laughs> That's what, Okay. So this is a footnote by me. professional opinion. I think this is a problem with like the author deciding that the reader needs to know that Andrew is flirting with Jesse. And yet. For reasons, Jesse needs to be unsure if Andrew is flirting with Jesse, which really creates an impossible <laughs> conundrum where Andrew's doing insane things like straddling Jesse, and Jesse will be like, I like him, but like he clearly doesn't like me. The whole room narrows down to a single point, like a shock of static electricity. Jesse immediately stops trying to buck Andrew off because, wow, he is suddenly so very, very acutely aware that he is being straddled he also apparently missed the part where he stopped fighting andrew's hands and started rubbing his thumb over the back of it but it feels like he's been doing it for a while andrew's gone still too so looking down at him eyes unreadable through his glasses jesse's ears are ringing he inhales through his teeth then andrew moves jesse doesn't have a single fucking clue what this where this is going only that andrew is pushing his shirt up with his other hand and bowing his head and oh god there's the heat of his breath on his stomach and something in his brain has obviously just fucking disconnected because he literally cannot move andrew's mouth seals on his skin and jesse's heart actually stutters and then andrew sucks in an almighty breath and blows history's (gasps) most disgusting wet raspberry on jesse's stomach before cackling and rolling off of him and frolicking away like some kind of insane baby deer You're like some kind of insane baby deer, Jesse shouts over the top of the sofa. It's all part of my fascist agenda, Andrew calls back from the kitchen. Jesse decides that his hard-on is just a bizarre anomaly. (laughs) What? So, point number one, crazy banter. (laughs) Okay. Point number two, I am like 99% certain I have one piece of evidence to prove me right, that this is a (laughs) McEwism, a Casey McEwism of... Third person uh, specific narrator saying a phrase and then the character verbatim repeating the phrase out loud as dialogue. I also, I agree. This is McEwism. The one time that I have hard evidence of is, um, oh, Alex thinks. Oh, Alex says. Not sure how else to respond. (laughs) We're like, 
the narrator who is not Alex. Right. Verbatim says it. And there was a couple other people that were like, I'm pretty sure that happens at this point. And then apparently at this point, like it's a thing that Casey McQuinston definitely does right. in their writing. Right, right, right. And it's not like a common thing that I've seen. Yeah. I'm trying to see if I can. If you can find it. Okay. Here, wait, oh, wait, wait. Okay, I found it. I found it. it. Okay. Really? Wow. Yeah. It's um fucking <sighs> page 110. Okay. Uh, so June and Alex are running. Cash accompanies them to the reflecting pool where June kicks the back of Alex's knee to get him going. And mm. Alex grunts and swears and picks up the pace. He feels like a dog that has been taken on walks to get his energy out. Especially when June says, you're like a dog that has to be taken on walks to get his energy out. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. What editor was like, I'll leave it. It's like a quippy thing. I mean, it is funny. Yeah. Like, I think it's, it's it something- notable I, yes thing yes i don't think it feels i know what you mean and similarly i think it is in their other sure. books so like it's not even just something they chose for this book it's it like feels a, like something that's what i've called a mucuism yes <laughs> sure no i like a mucuism that's a good that's a good word sure Thank you. this is my dissertation we will continue on now we're into part three so like andrew like leaves for like a little bit to like be on break i don't remember why so Andrew returns and Jesse has like missed him a lot. Like he th- thinks about it a lot. They have a weird scene together where Andrew asks Jesse to say I love you to him, which I will read. Oh no. What? So we can feel the right way about the end of the scene. It is weird. <laughs> Andrew plans a nice day out. <laughs> they film a lot. Andrew gets moody and stressed randomly before they go on a shooting break. Jesse's there on set. And he's been watching from behind the camera and giving Andrew little things to work off of here and there, reciting his side of the conversation and adding in things he knows Andrew needs to hear. So this is like a tight shot on Andrew. We don't see Mark's side. Yeah. This is the take. The only problem is that he can't seem to make the shift into the right mood at the end of the conversation. After about 10 different takes that just aren't working, Andrew very politely asks Fincher for a minute and then walks out of the frame to where Jesse is standing and pulls him to the side, looking desperate. I don't know what to do, Jess. Andrew says. His voice is doing this weird thing where it keeps wavering between his natural accent and his Eduardo accent, and it's really unsettling. Interesting. That's not a super uncommon. No, it's not that weird. It's just like they talk about it a lot. That's <laughs> like, weird. Notable. I mean, that is kind of interesting, though. Like when you, if you're like falling in love with someone and then when they're acting, they are a different accent. Like that seems interesting. Right? You would think that that would uh, come up more. It's like, yeah. am I falling in love with uh, Eduardo or Andrew? That sounds <laughs> that more fun. Interesting. That sounds more fun. It's really unsettling. I don't know why I can't. Ah. He breaks off to rub a frustrated hand across his face and Jesse bites his lip. He's doing his best here, but it's really hard not to think about the fact that Andrew is in his underwear as he crowds into his personal space. You can do this, Jesse attempts, shifting from one foot to the other. Okay, this is treading dangerously toward being way outside of his safety zone, but he's willing to try for Andrew. He's just stupidly and so badly, he just wants stupidly and so badly to be what Andrew needs. I'm here. I know, Andrew says, fisting a hand in his hair. I know, but I just can't get there, you know? I should be like, (laughs) it should be like you just told me that you love me and you want to marry me and grow old together or something. Can you, can you just say that? What? Just tell me that you love me, Andrew says. The narration goes, um. (laughs) Pause. Um. (laughs) Are they dumb I don't know what scene this is, but I think... I'm trying to figure out what scene this is. Eduardo's in his underwear, and I want to say is on the phone with Mark, maybe? Because he's not in his room. And has some kind of scene where, like, Mark's trying to get him to be part of the team or, like, do something. Okay, I feel like I maybe understand, but also... (sighs) 
deep cut okay no this entire thing is a deep cut. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're, yeah, yeah. Al- they're always referencing a very specific scene yeah and like i feel feelings. like i could guess easily which one but <sighs> now that one's throwing me yeah that's fine <laughs> jesse tries to ignore the way all the air seems to momentarily evacuate Josie? his lungs well, no jesse <laughs> it's me i mean i'm just i'm desperate for some kind of affection from you aren't i mark this whole thing has been about trying to get through to you so that i so that I need my CFO, so that I need my CFO has got to feel like I love you to me. No, I don't oh, think that's the vibe. Oh, he says, I need my CFO, and that has to feel like an I love you. Okay. The words sure, are real sure. garbled. I, actually, no I do. Now I think I know what scene this is. So it's a... I think? It's being interpreted by the Andrew of this fic that that is an I love you. Like, I need you. But he's saying, I need my CFO. Like, come back to this company. And it's sure. fu- it's funny because I don't think that is what the scene is Are like. there any homoerotic vibes in The Social Network? I don't remember. I no. don't really. I don't, I don't think there were. Think so. I also just had a feeling there were not. But this fig really would tell me otherwise. I, I don't think so. In part because I feel like Jesse Eisenberg as Mark Zuckerberg feels very... It asexual? feels very asexual yes. and like autistic yes. too. Like I know I was gonna say autistic. Honestly, definitely. I yeah. also would have assumed that based on both what I know about actual Mark Zuckerberg and the casting of Jesse. Like Eisenberg the vibe I got was like when I watch The Social Network, it feels more like Mark Zuckerberg was like um closer to like I don't have any feelings for these people. Right, and like that was kind of the question. Like, yeah, and like everyone mm-hmm. else is like, but dude, we're friends. Like, why would you, like, stab me in the back like this? And Mark Zuckerberg was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I feel like this thing is taking a lot of liberties. <laughs> I will say, and also, this is sort of interesting. Interpretation. I mean, yeah, well, because the thing is, I think that, like, they're plucking scenes and assigning meaning, whereas, like, yes. from our perspective as people who have watched The Social Network, yes, throughout the whole movie, there are scenes from, like, the court proceedings and the depositions, and it's like... They are fighting. And so it's kind of like you're watching a friendship disintegrate. Right. And that's mm-hmm. what I kind of gathered. Yeah. If I was to like take the the fluff yeah. romance filter off this, yeah. I'd be like, I this feels a lot like just people pleading with each other. And like, I don't get romantic vibes from that. Right. But like, I get why other people do. I'm interested if, if someone, you read into if it. If someone thinks there are homoerotic overtones in the social network, Dude. please fucking tell please me. Please tell me where and no. how. Dude. <laughs> but I don't see it. Okay, this whole thing has been about trying to get through to you so that I need my CFO has got to feel like I love you to me, Andrew says. You know how Mark really feels, right? So can you just like remove whatever enormous blockage is keeping him from ever expressing or communicating his feelings for a minute? His autism. Just be Mark, but open him up. Just get rid of your neurodivergency. For yeah. You know, just like, just also like assume things about this man. Yeah, maybe he's he a doesn't real feel person that. that you're, that's not just a character in this movie. Yeah. Just assume that he actually does love Eduardo and then say those words that you think that this real person would say. This is like a little fucked up. This is a little fucked, man. Accurate. (laughs) Part four. They take a break from filming for like the holidays, question mark. I don't know. Andrew uh, ends up flying back to America a day early to surprise Jesse at his like house and meet his family. (laughs) He had, I don't know how he did this. He called Jesse's mom and was like, hey, I'm going to surprise Jesse and come back a day early. Wait, filming is over? No, no, no. They're taking a break for like Hanukkah, Christmas. Oh, okay, holidays. okay, okay, okay. Um, so yeah, Andrew comes back to like surprise Jesse and meet his family, uh, which is very cute. Um, but like, again, 
weird 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 choice to be like Are Jesse's they? gonna still think they're not not sure what's going on have they had any have they, they haven't kissed no no I would have told you <laughs> have they done anything romantic they keep like going out on outings okay but like they're say. not there's not like any sort of like no anything that like conversations okay. or like nothing that's holding. like a, no nothing like no no hand holding no like weird drunken kissing or massages or anything that would be like hand wink uh just like very clear to the audience that andrew's doing flirty things and jesse's just like nah the whole time it's infuriating to read. okay it's infuriating to read they return to filming and somehow the intensity ramps up, even though everything has already been described as really intense. So I don't know how that happens. Okay, cool. Justin Timberlake asks about uh, Jesse and Andrew and like implies that something's off with them, but in a way that's like, did you guys like stop having sex? <laughs> oh, like, did you like break up? Yeah. Did you break up or did the sex get weird? Did someone ask about something like ask you to do a weird thing? Like, why is it weird now? <laughs> And Jesse's just, like, baffled as to what's going on. Okay. <laughs> the two uh, have to film a so-so intense scene for Fincher. It's very, I lose myself in the character. He has Andrew's face, but it isn't him. Blah, 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 blah. It makes Jesse feel weird. Oh, man. Oh, no. It's a lot. Uh, Andrew invites him to his hotel room, and they spoon until they fall asleep. What? <laughs> but in a straight way. Like in a gay way, but like we're not allowed to acknowledge it. <laughs> they're in the same bed. Yeah, they're on they're on location somewhere. Okay. I don't remember why. And Andrew, like they have a kind of intense scene and like I think they both recognize that they kind of feel weird about they it. They need to cuddle. And so, yeah, so Jesse, I literally, he just like kind of settles into Andrew's uh, like spoon and then they fall asleep. It's not romantic it's in a platonic way. it's like it's like romantic it's but it's like a it's like a care care for you we have to like get through oh, this thing this that's is happening. the hurt comfort of it's it kind of hurt comfort it's kind of like it like it's like metaphorical like huddling for warmth <laughs> emotional warmth it's emotionally huddling for warmth emotionally huddling for warmth <laughs> it's very weird okay so here's the excerpt it's not based on that but it's another it's another acting thing that i was like i don't know what's going on <laughs> so here we go <laughs> And all that is before they even start on the hallway scene, which is about a hundred times worse. The set is cleared of everyone but Sorkin and Fincher and the crew and a few assistants, and they're corralled into this claustrophobia-inducing hallway and instructed to lay into each other. And they do. And it's just so taxing for both of them. Andrew's just so good. And Jesse feels pushed to be even better, even more than he usually is. And he feels like everything is operating inside a powder keg with an inch-long fuse. When they wrap for the day, it's almost three in the morning, and Jesse is dead on his feet. On the way home, Andrew reaches over and turns down the music and asks, Do you think Mark and Eduardo were ever together? Now you ask this. Jesse keeps his eyes on the road. <sighs> like, the real people or the movie versions, he says. Because he and Andrew generally like to view them as two entirely different sets of people with two entirely different separate histories. Wow. And it matters. Okay. Okay. So, so this is like an RPF within an RPF. It is. It truly is. And they are acknowledged. The characters are acknowledging that. So like, okay. So he's either asking, do you think these made up characters were ever together in an in the, the ether of outside the written work? Or do you think... Mark Zuckerberg and his friend Eduardo were ever together? And both is a weird question. I mean, it's less weird to be like, do you think Eduardo and Mark were ever together 
versus do you think Aaron Sorkin in his screenplay in his not in his brainwaves was like this is the versions of these two guys that would hook up yeah these I picked these ones both is weird but also that does sound like a very clear flirting tactic to be like hello other actor I bet in a different life our two characters would have fucked but you already were like say this like you're saying I love you yeah so no. like and things like that just keep happening <laughs> okay no. so is the idea that like eduardo knows what's going on i think the idea is that andrew garfield and jesse and like i guess everyone else on the set of this fictional version of this movie like have an understanding that like the subtext is that they are like in love or like need each other or like there's this intensity that's outside of like business and friendship right there's something romantic happening yes do we think mark and eduardo were ever together the characters andrew says jesse can see andrew's profile out of the corner of his eye but he can't read the set of his mouth he still hasn't dropped the accent what that's the that's 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 weird yeah that's what i'm saying that's (laughs) like on the the, like half hour drive in and out sometimes andrew will either like Start the accent at the beginning of the drive or like still have the accent on the drive back, which like that's weird. I don't know. I don't buy that. I mean, I would believe maybe there there's probably some method actors out there who are doing that. But, but like Garfield's that's not pretty a method weird. Actor, as far as I know, I don't think he is either. He's like the opposite of that. Yeah, I, I agree. He's just constantly fucking around. Exactly. I don't know. It's just that sometimes I feel like the whole story makes more sense if there was something like that between them at some point. I mean, for Eduardo, it was never about money or fame or any of that shit. Business was secondary, you know? He sued Mark because Mark broke his heart. Yeah, probably because he just took a bunch of his money. I was going to say, I think he, he broke think his heart by being money. just like a dick human. I think it's for money and also because like, Mark was a dick. It yeah. is heartbreaking when your friend rips you off of a bunch of money that you like helped him make. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it also takes your fucking name off and is like, yeah. you never, you like, we're not a part of this He's ever. just a real dick in yeah. general. Yeah. yeah. I think that's that's fair. (laughs) Jesse twists his fist around the steering wheel. It wasn't about the money for Mark either. No. (laughs) I'm not sure I believe that. This is still, remember, this was written in 2011. So maybe Uh, we thought better about Mark Zuckerberg as a general human. But like, I I don't think we were like, well, he's a philanthropist. I don't think we thought that in 2011. We just thought he was like a chill college guy that was doing a thing. I think we just were like, wow, tech startups, they can wear hoodies. Who knew? I think that's what we thought. They're just like us. (laughs) They're just like us wearing hoodies. There are a few moments when it's quiet in the car. Just the rumble of the engine and the ground underneath them and someone singing low over the speakers. A burden may change your mind. When Andrew speaks again, his natural accent is back and his voice is a little softer. Like the day's starting to catch up with him. Why? I think Eduardo's in love with him. Always was. And if they were never together, it was because Mark couldn't see it. Or because Eduardo was an idiot and never told him. Mm. Andrew doesn't say anything else for the rest of the night. <laughs> and they go their separate ways at the elevator. Jesse realizes when he's in the shower that night that he never did answer the question. So Andrew's just like laying what it on question? real fucking thing. Do you thick. think they were in love? Do you think they were? Yeah, do you think they were actually and in I, love? Didn't he say... Yes. He said it was he said it wasn't about money for Mark and uh that's it. That's all he said. Oh, he didn't say the Andrew part. Was, about... Andrew's just putting his own feelings onto these characters. Okay. For fun. So Mark did not impart an opinion. No. 
Jesse did not impart an opinion about Mark. That would be in love with Eduardo. Okay, like as a friend, that would piss me off. But whatever. You just, you just never responded. To yeah, I'd just be like, we "Hey, Grace, what's your opinion about this? This is my opinion." And then I just like, and then you just never drift say off into the space. That would that would bother me. It would be weird. I feel like you would say it, uh, it again. My love language is words of affirmation. I need to be talked to. Tell me your feelings. You gotta okay. talk to me. Anyway, okay, we're up at we're up at part five. Where things start to happen, but also stupid things happen. Okay, so they're back at their apartment. Jesse talks to his friend Emma. You mean yes? Stone. Really? It's okay. The thing that did really make me laugh about this is that everyone's only referred to by first names, so you have to know what's going on. So like Justin is Justin. They never say Justin Timberlake. <sighs> Emma is obviously Emma Stone because yes. of Zombieland, but they never say that. And then, um, what's her face, whose name I always forget, Carrie, um, the British actress with the cute little face. She was in, like, uh, Great Gatsby and, um... I, I don't know. A Single oh, Woman or whatever that movie oh, was. um, yeah, the one who's, um... Yeah. Yeah. Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan. Mulligan, there we go. Oh! Because I was like, is this supposed to be that British actor- actress, Carrie? And the answer is yes, it is. Because her and Andrew Garfield were in a movie together, I think. <sighs> Uh, anyway, so that was kind of infuriating because I was like, who is Emma? Is that his sister? Is it Emma Stone? It is Emma Stone, right? Okay, great. Famously ex-girlfriend. Of Jesse Eisenberg? No. No. Oh. Andrew Garfield. Oh, yeah. No, that makes more sense. <laughs> it's like, that can't be right. <laughs> they were romantic leads. So I was like, maybe they dated on Zombieland. It was not believable leads. I don't think it Mm-mm. worked. I don't get him as a romantic man. No. Okay, so Jesse talks to his best friend Emma about his feelings, and uh, just when he's about to talk to Andrew about his feelings, Andrew brings Carrie Mulligan to stay with them for literally no reason at all for a couple of days. <sighs> very annoying. Okay. Jesse now believes that Andrew's not interested in him. Three question marks. I hate this chapter so much. <laughs> This is giving me like this episode's giving me after vibes. Man. It felt similar in some ways. I hate it for different reasons. Very different reasons. Yeah, I'm getting a lot specific of specific reasons. That's this is just how I format episodes. That's a me problem. I hate this. It's thing. fine. And I hate things. <laughs> Everyone is telling both of them to just fucking talk to each other. Carrie is telling them to talk to each other. Emma's Carrie talk- is saying yes, it? Because at some point, okay, so like Emma Stone is on the phone with Jesse and he's like, Andrew brought this girl home. They're probably dating. Oh, what am I going to do? And Emma's like, can I talk to Carrie? And he's like, sure. Carrie, the phone is for you. And Carrie is like- These are 25-year-old men? Yes, that's the other problem. So Carrie talks with Emma Stone for a while and like they kind of like- titter about or whatever we don't hear the conversation because jesse doesn't hear the conversation and then carrie just kind of turns to him and is like you need to talk to andrew and it's like so very obvious that they both like each other to the reader is it but not to jesse because he's a fucking adult (laughs) i want to die is it andrew the one who could be like i like you he could do that why but he's been putting out so many nonverbal hints that it doesn't seem necessary (laughs) (laughs) i feel like they're not nonverbal hints at this point if some if i was like on a road trip with like oh yeah yeah, my coworker, and they were like do you think this infamous coworker pair who also went on a road trip were in love and i'd be like yeah (laughs) no i think they were two platonic coworkers in a road trip stop or like hey we're two leads (laughs) 
it's crazy because like actually the last so, time I was with Leeds, we felt we kind of like crushed on each other. But like, so you're saying whatever Andrew is correctly interpreting Jesse's stupidity as absolutely not as not interest. Yes, <laughs> as as like. Uh, I'm not going to answer your dumb question about do you think our characters were like real life in love because I don't want to imply that I love you. Absolutely not. <laughs> yep. Giving you no bones, figuratively and literally. Not a bone in sight. No bones not in sight. A, not yeah. a bone. No, Jesse's giving zero bones. Okay. <laughs> this would probably be more interesting from Andrew's perspective. I was going to say. In the same way that Red, White, Lower, Blue is more is interesting, more interesting from, from Andrew's Alex's perspective. Yeah, Alex's. Alex's. Boy. Yes, 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 um, yes. Because he can look at Harry and be like, wow, I like him so much. And I'm just going to like do stuff at him. Yes. And I don't know how he feels because he's kind of a brick wall British man. So stiff upper lip. Uh, okay, uh, what was I talking about? Okay, <laughs> so Carrie Mulligan tells I hate them things. to just talk to each other. They have a weird—I don't know what this means. They have a weird metaphysical gap between them, so things feel weird. <laughs> like they just science—they like, perceive they perceive that there is a weirdness between them. Metaphysical is like not vibes, but you would be like, it's like when a, a not literal, a not literal. It's yeah. like, well, like metaphys- metaphysical is like astrology where you're like, the moon is having an impact. Yeah. On it me. felt like their that's moons metaphysical. were out of sync or whatever. Yeah. So, so if they have a metaphysical gap between them, it would be like the equivalent of saying like there was an ocean between them. Yeah. Oh, I see. I yeah. see. Fan fiction-y words for their having a weird right. time. Metaphysical yeah. gap is just a more confusing way to say Correct. ocean. Correct. Yes. We're just like Jesse Which, Eisenberg. That's not from the fanfic. The I chose metaphysical. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Grace. Because I was like, I don't know how else to explain this except for to just be as weird as the author is being right now. Okay, okay. Uh, anyway, okay, so they, they feel weird at each other in this apartment and like continue to not talk even though literally everyone in their lives is telling them to literally just fucking talk to each other. They have an intense scene to film. They film it, Ugh. and it's intense. I am so <laughs> sick of hearing about the act In another, is it Mark or is it me kind of way. And also because of rage. <laughs> they rap for the day, and Andrew finally kisses Jesse. God damn it. It's in a weird moment. And I don't know why the author decided to make this the inciting incident for kissing, but we're going to read this part so you can tell me how you feel about it. Ready. Okay. On the fourth take, Andrew smashes the laptop and then flings it 10 feet away from him onto the floor. And that's when the whole thing pitches up to the next level. Jesse's known for a long time that Andrew operates with every emotion turned up to an 11, but he can tell that this, this is him pouring out everything in his body. This is him at his rawest, spread open and bared and so desperate, so intense that there are moments when he can't even get his lines out right. Jesse spends a lot of time in awe of Andrew, but watching him deliver like this is on another fucking plane, and he wishes it weren't hurting them both so much right now, because it's amazing to see. It's almost scary. There's this horrible thrill about it because Andrew's so focused, but still so unpredictable, and it's giving Jesse a hell of a lot to work with. It's one of the most difficult scenes of anything Jesse's ever done, and he knows it's probably the most important for both of them, but it's almost easy to forget about that in all of this. It all feels so real. The tears in Andrew's eyes and the whole explosion of emotion, and he's having trouble telling if the sting he's feeling is Mark's or his own. So I have a comment about this. That was so weird. There is a misconception among acting that 
good acting is doing everything at a 12. Yes. And that is false. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like this author is like, the intense acting is good acting. Yeah. When it's just intense acting. I mean, I don't know if this author has ever acted, but like... Doesn't feel like someone who has yeah. seen or gotten notes to not do that. Yeah. Like many... I, I feel like many years in different ways. Like how many scenes would you say are at an 11 in Social Network? Uh, like in what way (laughs) like where you're like wow like you've seen fight club yeah there are a couple of scenes that are like wow this is truly at an 11 this is boys i mean like like, in most movies there is only a couple because if everything Mm -hmm. is at an 11 then nothing is at an 11 right Jesse is not sure if he's failing Mark's sting of failings or his own. But wait, they, okay, they have, you haven't gotten to the kiss yet. I have not. No. Okay, keep this going. Is the, this is the preamble to the I kiss, am, if you can believe it or I not. I understand you being irritated by the acting. That would also, like, really throw me off. It, does, it just keeps, ha- like, the same idea keeps happening. Like, we don't trade, anyway. It's eight exhausting hours with two restless breaks in between before Fincher calls a wrap at five in the morning and Andrew finally drops character. Sorry if I was an asshole, he says to everyone, throwing Why his hands in the air. Why were they recording from... It's this is a thing scene. they do. If it's, it is, is it, a, is it, were they, I mean, if they're recording several night scenes, they will record at night. Okay. Because you have to start at like 11 You start PM. when it gets dark. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It's not fun. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> no. Done it. It's brutal. Everyone's clapping and congratulating each other, and Justin is flirting with an extra, and Joe is bumping fists with Patrick. But all Jesse can see is Andrew. He looks, well... Jesse knows how emotionally involved Andrew gets in these scenes and how much this must have taken out of him. It's also just 5 a.m., so I feel like that's yeah, probably you're just a tired. Factor. I'm just fucking tired. But he's still not prepared for the look on Andrew's face. He looks like he's about five seconds from a breakdown. He looks down at Jesse for a second and their eyes meet. And it feels like the first time they've actually looked at each other all week. And then he's gone. He turns around and walks off set, lost in the crowd of people that keep slapping him on the back and they have no idea. And Jesse's following after him without even thinking. When he finally catches up to Andrew, he's pacing the narrow gap between his trailer and Jesse's, hands deep in his pockets. The streetlight over them catches on his face, and Jesse can see that he looks destroyed. Like everything in him has been blown open and then thrown back together, and nothing's in the right place anymore. He's smiling this terrible smile and breathing too fast, and Jesse knows that feeling, that kind of hysteria. Only he feels like this moment has been coming for Andrew since that scene in the deposition room so long ago. This is where it all catches up to him. Every instinct in Jesse is telling him to turn around and run, but he can't. It doesn't matter if Andrew doesn't want him. He needs him. Right here and now. More than Jesse's ever let anyone need him. Andrew, he says carefully, taking a step towards him. Was I good, Jess? Andrew asks him. Was I good? In his eyes, he looks at Jesse, and in that moment, he's back. His Andrew. Torn up and hurting, and heartbreakingly vulnerable. And maybe if things were different, Jesse would be relieved to have him back. But he's looking at Jesse like a man lost at sea, and it's overwhelming. Jesse moves in closer, slowly, like Andrew's something small he might frighten away, and Andrew watches him. He reaches out with one hand and then lays it flat over Andrew's chest, Andrew's heart. Just like that night in December, only this time, the heartbeat under his palm is hard and fast and arrhythmic, and there's so much more between them now. Jesse looks up, and Andrew crumbles. Jesse lets Andrew collapse into him, lets him twist the fabric of his sweatshirt in his fists, lets him bury half of a sob in the side of his neck, and he pulls Andrew all the way in until he can feel his uneven breathing in his own chest. It's something Jesse never really felt before, like he wants to wrap Andrew up in himself, like he wants to make him better, because he's never, ever been good at fixing things. He's always sort of been too busy needing to be fixed, 
never really known how to handle things when it's the other way around. But this is Andrew, and he wants to make this better, has to make this better. And so they sit on the steps of Jesse's trailer together in this dark parking lot with their arms around each other, and Andrew cries it out, and Jesse learns what it feels like to hold somebody together. It takes 10 minutes for Andrew's shoulder to stop shuddering, and the heart pressed up against Jesse's to level out a little. And at last, Jesse feels like this little shift of self-possession starting back in Andrew's body. Andrew pulls back, but stays close, close enough that his breath is on Jesse's face, and Jesse's nerves are all wobbled loose, and, and, and it's here. It's this that he's been missing. This is that night in L.A., and it's smears of ink on Andrew's neck, and it's home. It's safe. And maybe that's all he needs it to be. Maybe he's just supposed to have little quiet moments like this. Maybe he's only supposed to love in small doses. He reaches out with the tips of his fingers and touches Andrew's face, tentatively, right where his cheek meets his temple. Hey, he says, and Andrew kisses him. It's this loose, wrecked press of Andrew's lips against him, and it's honestly the last thing he's expecting. The shock paralyzes him. Andrew's kissing him, and he can't think, can't even remember how to respond. Two seconds, insane, static seconds pass before Andrew freezes, and then he's jerking backwards and jumping to his feet, and oh my god, he's saying, slipping one hand over his mouth. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I don't know what, Jesus, you're just trying to, I'm sorry, I'm so, so sorry. Andrew's looking at him like he's expecting Jesse to punch him, or throw up, or run away at any second. And Jesse can't think, can't think, can't understand what just happened, except Andrew kissed him. Andrew kissed him. And that doesn't make any sense at all with what he's resigned himself to. (sighs) And Jesse's looking like he thinks he's made some huge mistake. I thought that filming was wrapped at this point because everything was so dramatic and right. it was like I thought it was like we are done and like we can let go of it's like over. the exhaustion it's not there's okay. like two more weeks of filming for god knows what reason who knows who cares this is a long filming schedule <sighs> it feels long <laughs> <laughs> and it feels like they're constantly doing intense scenes and nothing else okay but there was we we pivoted from sobbing into a kiss and then a horrid apology and Andrew just leaves? No, there's more that'll come up in like a second. Okay, okay, um, okay. Okay, so I'll finish quick. And Andrew's looking like he thinks he's made some huge mistake. And Jesse's just switched into crisis mode. He needs somebody to explain this to him. Because if it's just because Andrew's upset and he just happens to be there, then Jesse isn't going to be able to take it. And then eventually they like make out and Justin Timberlake walks in on them and then he's like, Oh, <laughs> good job. <laughs> Okay. It's very dumb. Okay, okay. But, like, this is them, like... This is the first time they have kissed. They're, like, getting... This is, like, a thing is happening. Yeah, and if I were to infer, I would say, like, the exhaustion is what caused this, but that is not clear in the original text. So, like, I'm being... Uh, generous. Being pretty generous. In that okay. Read. Okay. Well, I'm glad. What is what is this part five? Yeah. There's one more part. Oh my god. And I'm not going to read for part six because it's, it's pretty dumb. <laughs> so we wait until part five for them to kiss. Yes. Too long. And nothing else has happened. They didn't have a moment of like slow dancing. They had the spooning, I guess. But like it was very not. Satisfying. There was no tension of like his hand touched my waistband or like his like he put a block of hair behind my like there was it was not that there's also i would say <sighs> normally there's a good like there's a good reason for alex and henry to not be together that is coming up later <laughs> there's not a good reason <laughs> for these two guys to not be together accurate the, the only reason that robin pulaski has put forth <laughs> is that jesse is anxious and doesn't know how to read what's going on around him that is the only reason that they are not together immediately <laughs> okay. <Part> okay. <laughs> the last part. 
They immediately do the do in a long, smutty scene that would be rated M for mature, but not X for explicit. <laughs> they also say that they love each other. <laughs> they frantically bone constantly for the rest of filming, but aren't allowed to get caught for reasons, question mark. Uh, they're romantically intertwined and stuff. They wrap filming. They go to the cast party and make out more. Uh, they must part ways for a while because of other actor obligations, but it is implied that they continue being together. The end. <laughs> wow. Okay, so we, we hard right into hard right a into them constantly boning. Like they talk about which is especially weird and this is like just a different track of like yeah. And why I was like I don't remember Jesse being asexual until he says he's not because later okay. they're having sex like three times a day. Right. That, <laughs> and, like, that's a lot. Against the crowd service table, at, like behind curtains, in their trailers, whenever they can, in closets, like whenever they can get away, they're boning. And it's like a quick montage of boning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and also the first time they bone, they say they love each other, which is just goddamn hilarious. Like, it's very weird. And that's it. <laughs> That's what happens. And that's the plot of, the plot of Carrie and my... Why is it called that? Carrie? I don't know. Um, is it from a lyric? I'm sure that is Your a... heart, I carry it in my heart. That's huh? a quote. Is that not a quote? Is it? Your heart, I carry it in my heart. Okay, we're going to do it. Good. I, I should have looked this up. Oh, it's an E.E. E. Cummings poem, oh. which actually uh, fits with this same okay. fiction. Yep. That is something Andrew Garfield talks about. I'm going to recap what I think are the biggest similarities, the subtle differences... And then basically everything else. Okay. <laughs> Which is just the regular differences. All right. All right. Hit me. So the biggest similarities, like, especially from, like, a high level, like, if someone just described what these two things were about, they're both uh, a male-male romance about a Briton and American, both of which are, like, known personalities in the the worlds of their own. So they have, like, connection to outside stuff. The main character consumes media of the other character before they meet. <laughs> okay. One is, like, an ADHD boy and one is, like, a counter to that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's how Henry is. He's Henry is an anxious boy. At the beginning, he's presented as like kind of a like a blob man. Right. I mean, <laughs> yes, I would say Henry is an anxious boy. Yes. So like there's that that similar like one is kind of reckless, crazy. One's more withdrawn or anxious or introverted, sort of like odd couple-y. Okay. Back sure. and forth. Sure. In both. Outside characters see the connection between the two main characters before they do. Okay. The boys eventually hook up and have to hide it from people. Um, the narrative is in a limited third person, having insight only into one main character. In general, there's a very similar, like, tone, banter, sassy character dialogue, word choice, and, like, markings of the author, I would say, are similar. Okay. <laughs> I have read both of our until like a week ago, both of Casey McQuiston's books. And I was like, these are very clearly by the same author. Like there's tone, like dialogue, wordy, like all that stuff like really points to the same author. And I think that is the core reason that people are like, this is red, white, and royal blue. <laughs> so there's an ethos versus like, this is a carbon copy. Right. Yeah. Because exactly. it's clearly, I feel like we had established it's clearly not it's clearly yeah. not it is clearly not a i haven't sawed off finished red white number. and royal blue but like to me to me i can see the understanding that like this is the same author i can even see how they wrote this fic 
And then that informed them writing Red Royal Royal Blue (laughs) years later. Like they were like, they wrote this, had whatever problems, decided to take it down because they're like, I'm ashamed of my work or like whatever. They're like, I wrote about two people overacting. And then like went and (laughs) was like, yeah, then maybe was like, let me rethink this. Got a little older, a little more mature in their writing and then. Right, right. Thing. And like pretty, picturing... the pretty copy. Yeah. If it was just the similarities and just the subtle differences, I'd be like, sure, maybe there was more like influence of like this plot, these characters into what became the book, which was like, okay, so we're from the perspective of the more introverted one, not the ADHD boy. That would be an easy way to be like, new fic, different perspective. Right. Um, or like Andrew in this, I would say, is much more like Manny Pixic Dream Boy than Alex Claremont is like a is has ADHD but is like a human man yes yeah more realized character there's uh never any like enemies hating of each other that's just kind of this pining thing that's going on the whole time um coming out is sort of a plot point in the fan fiction but like not really it's definitely more consequential in royal blue um there's just kind of like a general gay energy in Carrie like everyone's kind of just gay and like that's also kind of true with red, white, royal, blue, but oh yeah, really? Cause yeah, being gay also has consequences. So like, I don't know. <laughs> um, the tension from royal blue comes from the secret romance and needing to sneak around, and carry it in my heart has like decided to make that a thing, but it has no stakes. So those are like the, the subtle differences, and the big differences are pretty much everything else, <laughs> right? Which is substantial like um references to the the year that it's in was a big like point of this is why they're the same and i'm like i just think that's the style of writing is that we're being very specific to whatever year's going on not yeah that doesn't make sense to me as a especially because it's not even a year right it's just like a it's just like a the culture of 2011 right like it's not trying to hide the decade or anything. It's like some books will be like like not really reference the technology. So like you don't really know what time it's supposed to be. Right. Like it's not it's the opposite of that. And like or I guess like there's some like slang and some like meme stuff that gets brought up in Royal Blue, I want to say. I mean, there definitely is, but yeah. also like it is. So it's tied to a year, but it's not like the year is 2020 in part because right. um, this was written before 2020 happened. And so if they were like specifying the year, the real life year of 2020, it would be radically motherfucking different. Right. Whereas like this fan fiction was written in 2011 and will like, list all the bands that were relevant when they wrote it not to be part of the fan fiction but just to be like in the now yeah so i don't buy the references to the year being like a thing sure that makes them the same right entirely different like tropes (laughs) right like mutual pining question mark forced roommates close proximity only one bed kind of for a second there the other one's like an enemies to lovers, secret dating, fake friendship, like just like very not the same tropes. They're not the same. <laughs> very yeah. not the same tropes. And so my conclusion is, did Casey McQuinton write this? Yes, probably. Is it based on, is Royal Blue based on Carried in My Heart? It's absolutely not. Is Royal Blue inspired by Carried in My Heart? Also probably no. <laughs> yeah. I think it is a TMI case of like one writer will probably just do similar stuff sometimes. Yes. And yes. a writer will be like, I liked 
these two boys. Yeah. That dynamic makes sense. I'm going to put it on this idea I have of the Prince of England and the first son of America. All of these internet people have never read a novel by Amy Tan. They're all the same book. That's what I was thinking. Well, like, with romance novels, <laughs> I had to read them all fiction. for an English class and then write about how the author's life inspired their work. And her life is exactly what happens in every, in, single, in every book. single book. Right. Yep. And same with fan fiction. Like they'll write the same ship yeah. in 20 different ways yep. with like similar tropes. And it's like, okay, yes, I guess they're inspired by each other, but I think authors just like things sometimes. Yep. Right. Like, yeah. like <laughs> Monet made a haystack 20 fucking times. I was going to say it's like, like perfecting a form almost. Yeah. Right. Uh, this is the th- third book that they have published in like two years three years yeah so like it is very possible that all three of these books were in the like Mm -hmm. getting ready yeah in the hopper like in draft form and so i do think like in an alternate world where either another book came out first i don't think this comparison would have been made except for the writing style i do think that would have been noted but if someone was like wow like sci-fi lesbians but the writing style is really similar to this other fan fiction we wouldn't be having this conversation yeah yeah, yeah. or if casey mccriston was like i like m slash and that's the next five books i'm gonna write we would be like oh no this is just what they do and also so it's just a weird happenstance that like the first book that they published was like this sort of similar thing and then they made a whole different book right (laughs) so that's my thesis am i a doctor (laughs) judge claire so technically with a phd i think you have to discover something new i think i discovered (laughs) the new thing that did not file the serial numbers off and i guess sure and i guess from that perspective (laughs) that you're debunked that you are yes that you are debunking but I don't think that a lot of PhD theses are just debunking things. Yeah, I don't think you go in and be like black holes are made up. I think you if have I to be- prove it though. <laughs> but I, it's that I think you have to. Yeah, I think you're in a tricky place. I would award you a law degree. How strongly do you believe in my presented idea? Strongly. Okay. I believe strongly. Yeah, it's not. It's fucking y'all. What the fuck are you smoking? This is not red, white, and royal blue. Well, but like, like, have you read Fifty Shades of Grey? Yes. It is literally. Like, the, yeah. And if you have that, maybe we're just a little too old. Like maybe we were, we're too the, old. Well, like, cool. we're, we're old enough to have known exactly what happened with Fifty Shades of Grey. Like we know exactly what went on. Right. Or like we read after <laughs> on Wattpad, and then we read it. In a book. Yeah, yes. and so I don't and know how to, the same. And I don't know how to same. be like, when you say the serial numbers are scratched up. That means a certain thing. This is not This is not one of the, what is it? What's that philosophical question that it's like, if every piece of a boat is changed, is it still the same boat? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, True. that's not this, though. Right. But we also don't that even know if like, this was the original That would boat. be like saying like, right, you'd be like. Like that- if Case McQuiston was like, I wrote this and then I heavily adapted it and until it looked like red, white, and well, I'd be like, really? Yeah. And this is like, okay. if, you, if, if, if in the boat philosophical question, you're like, every single piece was changed to a completely different style of boat, I would be like, no, it's not the same boat. <laughs> it's not the same boat. You're this like, they're both boats, <laughs> but they're not the same. You'd be like, if we had like... Like a rowboat versus like a yacht. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if you change every single piece of a rowboat... Until it's with a yacht. Like, until it's a yacht, I feel like it's not the same boat anymore. But If, if you told you, me you started with a rowboat, I'd be like, why? Huh, odd. 
Yeah. Why okay. don't you just? That sounds like more work, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, good for you because you have a yacht now, but like. And this feels more like the same architect of the rowboat was like, huh, I wonder what would happen if I built a yacht. You know yeah. what? Architecture is like actually a good yeah. like metaphor. metaphor because you have architects who have a style mm-hmm. yes. and they mm-hmm. put they like build buildings in a certain shape. But like they yeah. are not the same building, you yeah. guys. No. And they're yeah. not inspired by each other. They're both no. inspired by common things. Yes. yes. <laughs> like all the Frank Lloyd Wright buildings look radically different, but they all look like Frank Lloyd Wright buildings. Exactly. No one like walks up to it and be like, Huh, this looks a lot like the house on the rock. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> right. that's not what, like, and I, I, I think you say... copied your own work. <laughs> think you scratched the serial numbers off. You're and honestly this... kind of getting boring because you're doing the same thing over and over and again. I'm like, I'm like, I don't understand Two what you guys are doing. and one is outgoing and one is not. Eh, so no. you're yeah. the first one who's done that and also you're not allowed to do it anymore. Yeah, we're good. Yep. All right. All right. Uh, I'm tired. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Thanks, Grace. So now we can all, uh, if you want to read Carry It In My Heart, you can find it on a PDF and we can scream about it together <laughs> for fun. If you want to buy Red, White, Royal, Blue or anything else by Casey McGinson, they have a new book out uh, called something. I'm sure I'm going to read it. Probably already ordered it. If lie. you have a defense against our defense. If you have better proof that this somehow, honestly, if you have any proof of anything, that do that. I don't have any. I just am here. And if you have that, send it to finepairingspodcast at gmail.com or any of our social medias where we are finepairingspodcast on TikTok, Instagram, not LinkedIn, Tumblr, and finepairingspod on Twitter. And we are still on hiatus for a question mark amount of time. I don't know, like a month. We're having fun. I don't know when this is coming out. A couple months? A few months. Who knows? A couple more months. Say three, four months. So, these bonus episodes don't tickle your pickle. You can subscribe to the Patreon for $5 or more. (laughs) What's wrong? For $5 or more. And hear me and Claire read fan fiction at each other that is smuttier than this fic gets. Even the parts I didn't read. So do that. (laughs) That's it. That's the end. Okay, bye. Last thoughts. (laughs) None thoughts. None thoughts. None. None thoughts. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye.